0: We're momming today with Mark Berkman, the CEO of the Organization for Social Media Safety. Mark, thanks for joining us. Mark's also a dad of two. He has a six and a 10-year-old. And, you know, Mark, we were just saying Facebook very much in the news because um, internal research was leaked that its products like Instagram could be bad for kids and for teens and for their mental health. I think we all knew this as parents and as users, But now we're being shown it in a very public way. Mark, you know, the the parents really come in here because Facebook is not a parent. We might want them to act like a parent, but where are the parents? What do we do about this?
1: Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me talk about this important issue. It's really affecting all parents out there that, that have children of a certain age. Uh, and, and none of us grew up with it. So it's very confusing and concerning. And this news only kind of adds to levels of stress and guilt, especially after a year and a half of pandemic, when all of our kids, even my own, uh, used far more screen time than, it, than is usual. Um, so yeah, wh- what can parents do? I mean, the first step here is realizing that social media can often be dangerous to our children. This evidence, uh, as you mentioned, what, it, that particularly Instagram can be dangerous for the mental health of, of our teens. We all probably knew that intuitively, but this is another really solid data point that we have to look at and and accept. And in fact, it's Facebook's own data, um, and it's a strong piece of data. So, so let's accept that. Um, what we want parents to do when it comes to social media is think of three different interventions one is our social media safety conversations that we have with our children so that means having conversations around the various social media related dangers that our kids can and for many of them likely will confront when they enter this world so that means cyberbullying that means hate speech that means sexual harassment human trafficking as well and Unfortunately, I, I could keep going on. But we have to have those conversations because our kids cannot avoid or most safely react to these dangers if they don't know what they are. Number two is setting uh, social media safety rules for our families, this, of course, is different from the conversations where we're trying to raise awareness. This is specific rules you want our kids, we want our kids to follow every time that they go on to social media or come across a certain circumstance. So for instance, we don't want particularly our young teens and definitely our tweens connecting with people that they do not know through social media. So an example of one of the rules, And then third is calibrating the safety settings. So making sure that the safety settings on our devices and apps are set to the appropriate level for our children. So on something like Instagram, it's maximizing privacy. So um, people that your teen does not know cannot uh, contact them or look at their pictures. Um, It can mean setting healthy time limits through uh, Apple software or Android software. So setting that you know, to an hour a day or, or two hours a day, whatever you feel um, is a healthy level for your child. There's mm-hmm. not great research on that. Uh, and that way, it'll automatically shut off when your child hits that level. You don't need to intervene. You don't need to hang over right. their shoulder. Uh, it's a great way to do it.
0: Let's unpack these one by one, though, Mark. So, first of all, it, it requires the parent have a good understanding of social media. I mean, many parents do, but some parents really aren't that active on social media. And, you know, most parents aren't counting the number of likes that they get um, because we're busy as parents and as workers that we don't have time to obsess. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that the parent has to have um, a really solid knowledge of how to use social media and also how to use it enough where they can know how their kids might set up a secret account or something like that.
1: Yeah, we, uh, so you certainly need some level of knowledge, but we say to parents, you don't need to be experts in social media. And unfortunately, we find a lot of, uh, a lot of people in this, this safety sector teaching parents how to use Instagram or TikTok, and you don't necessarily need to know that. What you need to know, and, and fortunately, this is available, I should say, this is available for free on our website for parents. We have a we have a course for parents where we go through all of those interventions, that categories of interventions I just talked about. So we go through all of the various social media related dangers, um, our suggested rules, and we have a tutorial on how to set up these safety settings. Um, so you do need you do, as opposed to kind of intricately knowing how to work TikTok, you need to know what the dangers are that's out there. And and unfortunately, a lot of parents and certainly most kids are not aware of these dangers. So that's essential. Setting up the settings, once you have an idea of where to find them on any given platform, it's fairly the same platform to platform on maximizing privacy um, and setting up password authentication. So um, yeah, our our answer to that typically is you, you do not need to be a social media expert, but there is some knowledge that parents do need to know to keep their kids safe in this world.
0: Should there be, um, well, what is the age, the age limit right now to be on social media?
1: There is not an age limit, which is one of the issues. So okay. I know- for, So
0: there's not at all. I, I thought to have an no. account, you needed to be, isn't it uh, 13?
1: It depends on the platform, but there's no universal limit. 13 is the age limit where platforms can keep data on the child, ah. um, but there's no- There's no regulation that says under 13s cannot go onto a platform.
0: Got it. So what do you think the age limit should be? If Congress stepped in and there is a a regulation, a law that says you cannot be on social media until this age, I mean, would you recommend that? And if so, what would the age be?
1: So I would love to have a straight answer for that question. I know a, a lot of other people do. But unfortunately, there's a huge range of social media platforms out there. So if you go on to Roblox, which is a gaming platform for particularly for children, uh, you can maximize the safety settings in a way where we feel it's fairly safe, uh, as long as they're using it for healthy time limits for kids potentially under the age of 13. Now, Pornhub, Tinder... Those are also social media platforms. Obviously, we don't want any children on those. So there's, there's a huge range. Mm. For the major, uh, w- when you think of classic social media of, of Instagram, kids aren't on Facebook these days, but but Facebook and particularly messaging apps like Snapchat, we would love to see that age move up to, to 15 or 16. But again, it's a... It's a complicated answer. Part of the reason that parents are struggling.
0: Are there classes being offered in school right now on social media and social media etiquette?
1: Well, we we go to schools across the country and provide workshops for students and parents and work with schools on developing social media safety policies. We, we've also partnered with uh, DARE International. So uh, who, who will be offering short form versions of our curriculum to up to seventy five percent of the school districts across the country? Our goal, of course, is to hit every school because this education is really, in a lot of ways, life and death for for children uh, across the country and across the world. I so we hope when, to see. Everybody.
0: When Snapchat just came about, and you know, my children are, are very young, but um, you know, my nieces and nephews, I kind of just very basic, just. Impressing on them that it that picture doesn't really ever disappear. You might think it goes away, but what you put online, what you say, what you see, what you show, that is that doesn't go away. So you need to realize that as you're doing these fun silly things, you're doing them in a public space. I mean, does the classes that or the 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 classes that you're teaching do they kind of talk more about that, or are you also going into ways? of saying, you know, um, would you, would you say that to someone's face? No. So don't write it on social media because that's bullying and that's mean. Um, or, or does it touch different issues?
1: It touches all of those issues. What we do with, with parents and students is we run through, uh, it it, thematically, our curriculum is based on a particular social media related danger. So when we cover an issue like sexting with with the older kids, um, we will talk about the the potential and often permanency of posts. When we talk about bullying, we will talk about even if you're messaging someone and talking about someone else, you have to assume that that other person uh, at some point is going to see what you're writing. So so, these little pieces of of the of social media dynamics are scattered throughout our presentations, yeah, there's so but much. within the context of each danger
0: there's so much, and then, you know, okay, so you you gave me the the good terms, thank you, the permanency, um the bullying, and then the mental health. I, you know, I struggled with this one when we saw from the Facebook whistleblower that you know, Facebook had information that teens' mental health was impacted by there you know pictures that they saw body image issues suicidal issues but you know, i kind of thought I'm like well isn't social media n- now the new magazine i mean magazines got criticized for this too for promoting the perfect body so in the, yes, that's and- where i'm failing to to truly understand how instagram is at fault for this so maybe you can explain that better
1: sure i well i take I, for the moment, I would say take fault out of it and just I would just argue, you know the simple fact that Instagram can cause mental health issues in young people. The comparison to magazines, I think is very astute and we we also talk about that um, when we educate on this. The difference is that when we had magazines as a kid, we were not looking at magazines for five to nine hours a day. Ah. and we're finding, on average that uh, teens are on social media four to five hours a day, which is very concerning numbers. Um, so one, the time. Two, when we were looking at magazines, uh, which may have been airbrushed or probably were airbrushed back in the day, we were not looking uh, at, at, again, take that time, but we weren't looking at the volume of people back then. And we weren't looking at our peers, our classmates, our friends who curate photos and edit photos. So the the photos that they put up are from that best moment at the party, the, the home run they got, the A they got. No one's putting up their failures. They're all putting up their best pictures with the camera held over their head. If they don't like it, they delete it, they get in a new pose, then they use Facetune to edit that up. So multiply that by five to nine hours a day with curated and edited photos of our classmates and our peers, uh, it is causing, as we can see from Facebook's own research, mental health issues from that, that comparison basis and what we call reality distortion.
0: That is the best way I've heard this explained. That, that was that was that was money right there. Um, so let me ask you another <laughs> one. Com- compare Instagram. I'm just going to use Instagram as the example to Big Tobacco.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if any of your listeners go to our social media pages, we've actually had a series running on this based on Mark Zuckerberg's response to Francis Haugen's testimony the other day, which we found, uh, I will say, very disappointing. So uh, big tobacco. And let me start off by fairly saying the major difference is that tobacco can never be safe. Uh, It's just a dangerous product there are when it comes to social media, there are absolutely benefits there. And, and we're not going to deny that. So uh, let me start off with that difference. But uh, what we are seeing here is that there are extensive dangers to social media. And a- again, as, as the testimony of the other day from the whistleblower, Francis Haugen, uh, emphasized the company uh, is putting profit incentives over safety, which companies are apt to do because they're driven by profits. So we see the same thing about any company that's pitching a dangerous product like big tobacco. So this emphasis on getting younger users to replenish their user base, build up the habit. Uh, We put up these posts the other day comparing the statements on Facebook saying, well, we need to get younger users. You know, Everyone's on the phone. We might as well try to make it safe. And you compare those to comments we see from tobacco execs from the 50s and 60s saying, we need younger users internally saying that and then saying, we can make cigarettes safe, let's have filters, let's lower tar. Uh, We had comments from Mr. Zuckerberg pointing to their research unit saying, if we didn't want to make it safer, why would we have this research unit? Well, you know who else had research units? Tobacco companies, because their strategy was to put out evidence, selective evidence, that show that smoking, passive smoking, was either safe or healthy. Uh, Facebook hid this research. They hid it from the public. They hid it from organizations uh, like ourselves. This, this evidence touched on teen suicide as well. We could have used this evidence. It potentially could have saved lives. They sat on the research. So uh, we can't assume that they have our children's best interests at heart because they're doing research. And again, that's another comparison to the tobacco companies.
0: Yeah, well, you don't trust Team Zuckerberg at all. We're gonna have more mommy today right after this. we're back on We're Momming Today with Mark Berkman, the CEO of the Organization for Social Media Safety. And, you know, Mark, your kids are 6 and 10, and that 10-year-old is in the tween category, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So And going on 18, I think. So
0: what does social media look like in your household?
1: Uh, it doesn't look like much. And I think, you know, I'm living firsthand what we call at the Organization for Social Media Safety, the lose-lose situation that many parents or, or most parents of children 10 to uh, 17 are facing. So when one child uh, gets on a platform like TikTok or Snapchat even, which we would consider dangerous for younger teens, one 13 year old or 12 year old, say gets on one of these platforms, pretty soon you have the entire class on them. Because this is social media. So, a few kids get on. This is how they start communicating. This is how they conduct their friendships. So, parents let other kids on because they don't want them to miss out. And pretty soon, your child is one of the potentially one of the few kids not on, and they are suffering. And, and we have to be honest about this there's a real trade off there. They're suffering um, a social trade off, they're not able to interact in this way that other kids in their class are. Uh, so, so we recognize that we talk about that with parents. What we try to do to compensate for that is work with schools and parent associations to set up community guidelines around social media use for public schools. So it will be voluntary guidelines, but at least we're trying to get all families on the same page for age of entry onto apps. So I've certainly done some of that work um, or had those conversations at my child's school. Um, so to, to answer the question directly, m- my children are not on much. They use, um, sometimes we'll use Roblox with the full safety settings activated so they can't communicate with, peop- with anyone out that, that they do not know. Uh, they have time limit settings engaged. Uh, my daughter will use YouTube Kids. Uh, and because of the pandemic, we use FaceTime and, and texting at this point. Um, But we have software uh, like Bark installed on our kids' phones, which will provide alerts uh, if any dangerous content or concerning content comes across those apps.
0: Do they know you have all this set up?
1: Yeah, I mean, we absolutely recommend to parents if they're going to set up um, third-party safety software like Bark that the children know, because part of the protective measure here is the deterrent effect. So they're not going to type in anything that's dangerous or or. So anything that's dangerous is dangerous because they know bark is there. Um, also, if something comes up, uh, you're going to be in a catch-22 situation where you're going to have to show them you know anyways at some point. So yeah. uh, we tell parents it's better, uh, except in some very select circumstances, that Would- they know that any safety software's on there. They certainly know the time limits are on there. And what time limits have done for our family, and we see this again and again with families that we work with, is it helps teach kids to self-regulate their time. So they know we're not going to budge on the time limits. They know they have an hour a day to do uh, certain games or or other things um, on the internet. And then it shuts off and we don't have to get involved. So they've become used to that. And it's incredibly helpful.
0: What do you think the most dangerous social media app is?
1: That's an excellent question. I mean, each of them, as we see, has their own danger or combined dangers. The app we're probably most concerned about at the moment is Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat, and we talked about permanency already and this idea of permanency, Snapchat gives the illusion that what you're sending will only be temporary because it, it, Snapchat, for those that don't know, you send messages to someone and the messages self-delete after a certain amount of time. But of course, someone can take a screenshot or someone can film it with another phone, Uh, or take a picture with another phone, which happens a lot. Snapchat also has a huge issue with uh, substance abuse happening and and drug dealing. So one of our board members uh, is Dr. Laura Berman. uh, And a lot of your listeners may have seen this story in the national news. Dr. Berman is a nationally renowned uh, therapist. Her 16-year-old son Sammy was at home during the pandemic like all of our teens and bored. And he went on Snapchat. And he connected with a drug dealer. And by the way, the Organization for Social Media Safety in our tests, we could connect with a drug dealer in about three minutes. So oh it's very easy. What do you type platforms. in?
0: Wait, how is it so easy? I
1: don't know if I want to give full directions, but basically what they use uh, are emojis now. So they're ah. basically are communicating in code. And you can find these drug dealers uh, very e- You could find them within seconds. Connecting with one might take a minute or two. Um, but then they, you connect with them. They send you a full drug menu of choices. So Sammy got this drug menu. We've gotten drug menus um, from dealers very easily. And he ordered some Xanax and they delivered it to his house, just like ordering a pizza. And uh, unfortunately, this, the convenience and this growth of drug dealing through social media is also occurring at a time when fentanyl And opioid use is exploding. So what dealers are doing is they're taking drugs like Xanax and Percocet and Vicodin that certainly in some cases they can be lethal, but most often you'll consider them lethal. And they're poisoning those drugs with fentanyl because it makes them more addictive and they're creating repeat customers. Unfortunately, fentanyl is incredibly lethal at very small doses. So tragically, Sammy's Xanax was contaminated, poisoned with fentanyl, and he and he passed away. So Dr. Berman's joined our board and we've been trying to get Snapchat to instill common sense reforms that might protect against this exploding danger. And they uh, have refused thus far.
0: What is their argument?
1: It's a good question.
0: Oh, you <laughs> I mean, know. We, we don't
1: get a good argument. I, that, and this, they,
0: <sighs> I'm so I'm so angry for you right now. And I'm scared as a parent. And the first question I asked you was, well, how do parents know that they're up to speed enough to prevent this stuff from happening? I'm sorry, Mark. I would never know that drug deals could happen via emoji on social media. That's just something I don't know until you telling me right now.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad that, again, you're doing this segment because all of your listeners are going to know it now. And Dr. Berman, when she speaks, that's the first thing she said. She did. She thought her kid would have to go to a party or go out to get drugs. They had no idea this was even a possibility. Uh, And so parents do not know. And a lot of the platforms give these wonderful talking points of of all the interventions they're taking. And yet we can still go on the platforms and connect with a drug dealer in three minutes. And this is months after the tragedy with Sammy. And I should say, I get an email uh, with a case like this almost every day.
0: Mark we're going to have to leave it there. Um, I do want to get Dr. Berman on the podcast to talk more about this.
1: Yes, I happy to connect you with uh, with her. Wow.
0: And then I, it just goes back to the same question like what <laughs> what can be done to to, so, to to monitor to police all of this. It's there is, online social media. It's it's good and it's evil at the same time. It really is. Yes. All right. Thanks Mark.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: What can they do, though? Like, what do you expect? We're offline now. What what do you expect them to do?
1: Well, so SNAP, this is part of Sammy's law that we're doing um, to require platforms that that have kids on them to give parents the choice to use third-party safety software, which, again, isn't a total answer, but it will save thousands of kids. Uh, The education are, as a consumer protection org, we have three departments, uh, that we believe combined are the answer. So education, as you as we talked about, making sure that every kid knows about these dangers, every parent, the advocacy part. So bills like Sammy's Law, changing 230 so that the platforms have liability, and then tech. So um, improving this market for safety apps is also vital. All three of those together are necessary.
0: Wow, thank you so much. I'm so scared. Seriously, I'm not really on social media. <laughs> Good. I'm not. I Good. just, I mean, I'm, my friends, like I've, I have like a, fa- a Facebook page from like four years ago that worked made me set up. I don't even know my password. But my friends will like, <laughs> if they see something on Facebook, like an invite or like an event, they just text me. They're like, here. So, you know, we're all going to this. <laughs> I'm like grandma. I'm grandma in the group.
1: <laughs> right, right. No, yeah. About a quarter of my friends are more not on at all. And they seem more adjusted these days.
0: <laughs> well, I wonder if, the, if because there's a turning point and people stop using. I I don't know. I don't know.
1: It's it. Well, one, it's addictive. So some people are addicted for sure. Uh, you know, we as the nonprofit that that fights against us, we use social media. So <laughs> I you know,
0: know it's a catch twenty two.
1: It's a catch twenty two. So uh, we don't think it's going anywhere. It's going to morph for sure into what. It is, but it's not going anywhere.
0: Thanks for your time.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me. From the
0: Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for
1: hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.